Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And a few of my favorite ordinary summer things are roses in my garden, a dash through the lawn sprinkler, and fresh corn on the cob, grilled. And a few of mine are watermelons so sweet that the juice runs down your face and stains your elbows, campfires that smell of sweet pine cones, and vanilla-flavored iced coffee with cream that can crack any face into a grin. We hope these conversations help you see the extra hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. So I wasn't sure how we were going to begin this conversation today, Christy, because the last two podcast episodes we had like COVID claustrophobia was one of them. And then we had parenting in a pandemic. (laughs) I felt like somehow we need to figure out how to drive this car back into hope again. (laughs) And I wasn't sure where to find it. And I think in those moments, humor is a very helpful bridge. And Mm -hmm. I laughed so hard at something I think probably a lot of us have seen that our friend Amy sent to all of us last night. And it's this news story out of Japan that is about this roller coaster park. Really, it's an amusement park with this ginormous roller coaster. And they're trying to encourage people not, of all things, not to scream while they're on the roller coaster because they want to slow down the spread of coronavirus so that like as you yell, you know, little droplets of condensation and virus do not go all over one another. (laughs) And I laughed so hard because I saw the picture and then I actually went and watched. There's like a four minute trailer of these two very properly dressed Japanese businessmen, you know, in suit and tie sitting on this roller coaster (laughs) not screaming, just like very calm throughout this insane ride. And what I laughed about so hard is when they were creating the meme for online, they said, and thus we settled upon the official slogan for 2020 because what was posted throughout the park was the sentence urging the riders to please scream inside your heart. (laughs) Well, that sums up how I feel right now. Scream inside our hearts, not out loud. Yeah, I think that that about takes care of it. (laughs) I know because there are many moments I do want to just scream hysterically in my house or like run out into the yard like a banshee crying and weeping. And I actually did have some moments this past week where the inside scream came outside (laughs) where I couldn't control it. And I had good friends who were there to laugh, cry, and then cry, scream with me and pray and do the things good friends do. But I was thinking about how the last two conversations have been pretty heavy. And we know just from the comments we've had and just hundreds of direct messages on Instagram that there are so many of us who are in this place right now of just sort of a semi state of despair (laughs) when we look toward the fall. And I'm trying to find a way to, you know, put a positive spin on it. Like, how can we help everybody? How can we lift the mood? And I think you and I were saying it's helpful to, A, recognize we are all experiencing this somewhat not silent scream. But at the same time, what's making it so difficult is that when you look out at the landscape of fall, 
typically what fall feels like is a change, right? Mm-hmm. There's this, yeah. this th- it's the liturgy of how there's a shift, not just in temperature, but in routine. Now everybody goes back to school. Now, you know, the house quiets down a little bit. Even if you're homeschooling, you're shifting into routines. There's sports maybe or co-op days. And I think what's so difficult for all of us is that now, kind of like what my husband said last night when we were going to bed, he said, so tomorrow's Friday, which used to mean something. (laughs) I feel that way. You know, here comes fall and it used to mean something. Used to mean something. (laughs) And I think that's it. Like, it's so difficult because there's all the things you used to look forward to are no longer there anymore. So when you're trying to find hope... It becomes really difficult because will there be fall sports? Don't know. Will we all gather for Thanksgiving? No clue. Will TV we love even come back on? Probably not. Like there's all these things that used to be part of the liturgy of fall that we can't count on anymore. Will kids go back to school? Nope. They'll all be at home. And, uh, And that has affected my ability to drag out stories of hope. And I have felt like a quiet hopelessness that has been a scream inside my heart this week (laughs) that has been difficult. Laughing with a friend does help, but I feel it too. I told my husband that I guess this is the longest I've gone without having something to look forward to. Yeah. And there's a certain kind of rest in these days. I think it's I think of it as the kind of rest that is available to us in the wilderness. (laughs) So I'm not sugarcoating it. I think it is a kind of wilderness we're walking through. It's really hard, Um, but the days are slow. Friday doesn't mean so much, you know, so there is this rest. But I, this week, it hit me hard. I I, I told you and I think a few other friends, I felt like I I finally hit the wall. (laughs) I'd, I'd been putting off really thinking about fall and school, I felt like we still had plenty of summer left and I could deal with that later. And the time to deal with it hit me this week. And I thought, I have nothing, we as a family, we have nothing to look forward to. But Lisa Joe, when you and I sat down here before hitting record and shared that, we, I think both recognized, okay, that isn't absolutely true. If we dig deep, are there still things to anticipate? Are there still um, good things around the corner? And uh, I think we found a few. So kind of in keeping with our, um, so our uh, regular um, introduction to each of these Out of the Ordinary podcasts, you and I each season share a few of our favorite ordinary things for that season. And I feel like this is a kind of riff on that. Um, Some ordinary things that the pandemic can't steal from us. (laughs) Some things we do still have to anticipate and to look forward to because it feels like fall will be just like summer. It feels like nothing is changing, but that's not true. That's not absolutely true, Um, but it won't be changing in the ways we're used to. We won't have many of the old things we we did used to anticipate, um, but we're not left completely bereft. So you and I are going to trade some ideas about things that actually we can anticipate um, as we turn the corner from August to September. So should I go first? Should you? Yeah. I Well, I'll just say that I like how you had described it as 
we tend to look at the landscape ahead of us and feel like there's nothing to anticipate. But the truth about ordinary life and what makes ordinary life so miraculous and extraordinary is that it will surprise us, right? Like there are good gifts, and we always talk about this, that are buried in plain sight, and we don't know until we essentially trip over them. Like, oh, mm-hmm. here it is. Like, here's this beautiful thing I didn't anticipate. And so our hope today is to just, in sharing some of the things that we sat down to think about that have already surprised us, so things we've tripped over and been like, oh, wow, here it is. Here's something good. And others that when we thought about it, we can anticipate. We really hope, you guys, as you listen today, you'll start to do the same. Like, we want to help give you (laughs) some hope to hold on to by just kind of going digging for buried treasure with us. I think we're a little bit like kids on a beach today who get excited anytime they find a new shell (laughs) or a rock or a piece of beach glass. You know, they're not huge things, but there is something about those small things that is very magical when you hold them in your hand. So that's what we're doing today. We're showing you our bits of sea glass that we found and that we're really excited about. Yeah, you know, I'm just remembering here. So I Well, let me just start by saying my first one is (laughs) super ordinary. (laughs) I hope our listeners will hang with us and not think, really, that's all you got. No, (laughs) you know, bear with us. Bear with us. My first one is is cooler weather. Yes. So here in in Southeast PA, I grew up in Texas. So I promise you, I do know what intense summer heat and humidity can be like. And it's intense. And so I know that um, depending on where you live, some of our listeners, you know, are going to, uh, the timing of this for you is a little different. But for me right now, it's been a, it's been a really hot summer. Um, and I am anticipating cooler weather. That is something that even if my kids aren't going back to school, <laughs> even if um, I'm going to have a lot of new responsibilities this fall with my kids schooling at home, the days will be cooler. Mm. And when I go out for a walk, it will actually be refreshing. And I'm really looking forward to that. And it reminds me, this is where I started. I just remembering as we're talking that I wrote in my book, Roots and Sky, I wrote some essays and, and memories about um, some really meaningful um, encounters with a full moon and with a rainbow. And I remember writing in the book that these were utterly ordinary things, right? We have a full moon every single month. <laughs> we have That's a rainbow true. every time, you know, the water and the sunlight do their thing, right? Um, they are absolutely ordinary. And yet, who among us would say that a beautiful, brilliant full moon or a full rainbow in the sky is ordinary. I think we're right to look at that rainbow and remember scripture and see God's promise in the sky, right? It's extraordinary Mm. and it's a promise of God and it's fairly regular. You know, we we can recount numerous times when we've seen these these signs of His goodness in the sky. So, I think I'm going to take that attitude um, as we enter fall here in Pennsylvania and as the temperature drops Instead of just saying, oh, finally, <laughs> oh, good, but to say, here it is, you know, mm. this good gift from God and, and to receive it um, in that way as something ordinary mm-hmm. and also extraordinary and, and really great. So, I'm looking forward to that, those first days of open windows and uh, the curtains blowing, you know how they do yes. in the breeze, and uh, that's something to anticipate. I love that, Christy. And I love that we started with the, the the ultimate storyteller, who is God here, who we can trust, right? Like, he's not an unreliable author. Like, sometimes you have authors in books that you can't quite trust with how they're going to end it with your favorite characters, and it's very frustrating, I always feel like. But God is a trustworthy author, and I like, too, that 
The rainbow is a reminder that God makes promises. He doesn't just give us hope. You know, there's a great line in the Bible that talks about, it's funny how I just said that great line as if the Bible's just like a storybook, but it is like a well-written <laughs> book, but it is, you know, a promise. But in the Bible, there's a, a line that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think that's what we're all living in. Like these hopes that we had are are making our hearts sick. You know, it's difficult. But we believe in a God who doesn't just offer hope hanging out there in the future. Like, He makes promises. Like, promises are guarantees. That's what the rainbow symbolizes to all of us. Like, He will, He has not forgotten us. He will always be true to His own word. So, I'm grateful for that. But it is a reminder, too, that in this season, some of the things I am looking forward to are the words of authors that I trust and love and who I feel like are able to write in such a way that they remind me over and over again of what God promises is true. When it comes to, like, good triumphing over evil and people of great character in completely ordinary ways— being the kind of heroes I aspire to be in my own life, especially as we live through the drudgery of life these days, reminding me there's art. There's art everywhere. So, you've heard us talk about her a million times before. I pre-ordered this book probably a year ago, and it's coming out September 1st, the next Louise Penny novel. And it's by uh, this amazing Canadian author who, this is her 16th novel is what I cannot even get over in the series where the main character is a detective called Armand Gamache. And what we love about Louise is she started, she started to write her career as a writer when she was 40. <laughs> and that's so hopeful, I think. And um, I also think it's funny and apropos. She didn't know at the time there would be a pandemic, but her next book that comes out September 1st is actually called all the devils are here. <laughs> Aren't they, though? <laughs> it's a dark twist. And I was actually reading her August newsletter she sent out. She starts with a quote from Anne of Green Gables, so another great character that we can trust to help us navigate how we are feeling in the world. And she said, I'm reminded of Anne of Green Gables' wonderful line, I am well in body, but considerably rumpled up in spirit. Mm, <laughs> she mm. talks about that's how she feels too. You know, she's also struggling through this strange season that has changed everything. But at the same time, it makes the messages artists are putting into the world that much more valuable and beautiful. So in addition to Louise Penny, I'll just say, um, I also, I think all of us had this experience of being surprised by artists who have been so creative over the coronavirus season. And I, as a 45-year-old mom, admit that I have absolutely loved Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore, that came out into the world. I love it so much because it just sounds like the seasoned poetry of a woman who has come into her own and is no longer just trying to appeal to pop culture, but has become a seasoned storyteller. The album is so beautiful. Exile is one of my favorite tracks, but I really love Cardigan too. I love how she has three songs that are actually stories that all relate to one another. So each of those three songs is told by a different character in the same story. I love that the album is a collection of stories. She became a storyteller in this album, and she's thought up and imagined the histories and stories and identities of characters who may or may not have lived. Some of her own story is woven in, and it 
it, she was incredibly creative during this time of quarantine. And I went down this rabbit trail where I couldn't stop researching like how she did this album. And one of her collaborators talked about how the fact that everything has moved to virtual now is the reason that this album was able to come out so quickly. Like they created it in four months. And one of the things he said is there were eight of us, but we didn't have to coordinate everybody's schedules and studio time. We could all just be working from home, coordinating virtually in three different countries they were working from. And it was just such a lovely reminder that, oh, there are advantages to trying to create when everybody is at home and is forced to go virtual, suddenly we cut out a lot of the middleman when it comes to travel and studio time, etc. So not to compare ourselves to Taylor Swift, but it was one of those surprising, ordinary things to trip over and discover, oh my gosh, here's a whole new album of beautiful art to listen to. And I, as a 45-year-old mom, love it. And my nine-year-old daughter loves it. You know, it's been such a fun thing to have in common. And then even my husband, who isn't super into Taylor Swift, but he and I have found delight in unpacking like the how behind it. Like, how did the team do this? And reading the articles and just being inspired that just because we're at home by ourselves doesn't actually mean we're alone. I think that's what's been really powerful to see other people reaching out and connecting and creating still in the midst. And am I right that it was a surprise that no one knew it was coming and then it just dropped? Yes. She had no marketing, no advertising around it, and it has already surpassed how Lover did, the album she released earlier this year. So there was, and there's no teasing, nothing, because uh, yeah, literally the day before she posted on her Instagram that there was a new album coming and then she just delivered it into the world without really any fanfare. It was just here, all these new tracks for people to consume. And I think there is such delight in that. I mean, it's exactly the kind of surprise we're talking about. We didn't even know to anticipate it. And here it was just this beautiful gift in the middle of sameness. I love that. I find that very hopeful because I think as we're talking about anticipation and feeling like I don't have anything to anticipate, um, it's really encouraging to me to remember that there are still surprises and we don't actually know. (laughs) So when I say I don't have anything to anticipate, I'm saying I don't have the known things. So I'm not anticipating um, my kids dressing up for Halloween and trick-or-treating in the neighborhood and talking to our neighbors. Um, I, I'm not anticipating a thanks- big Thanksgiving feast with lots of friends. Um, those are the knowns, but there are so many unknowns. So uh, mine is similar. Um, something that I found this week that was a surprise was also new art. <laughs> so I had just been reading something online and you know how sometimes you read a story or a blog post and at the bottom it will say, you know, you might also like. So I was just sort of clicking on a like rabbit hole and um, found mention of um, a, a singer-songwriter named John Guerra and a new album called Keeper of Days. And something about it captured my attention, so I started listening. And, uh, oh, my word, Lisa Joe! like, I've just had it on repeat all week. <laughs> it felt like exactly <laughs> what I needed, exactly when I needed it. And I found myself at one point listening to it in my earbuds as I went for a long walk, which is the only time I can be alone these days. It's the only time I've been alone since February is either if I'm, if I go for a walk of, you know, 30 or 45 minutes, or I'm in the bathtub. (laughs) We (laughs) talked about that on another episode. That's the only time I'm alone, but I was alone. I was walking, I was listening to this music and I found myself thinking, wow, John Guerra, (laughs) thank you (laughs) for creating this for me. And you don't know me and I don't know you, but your art is saving my life. 
And so I, kind of like you with Taylor Swift, um, started trying to find out more and I went to his website and I love what he says about what he does. He says, um, I'm a singer-songwriter who writes devotional music, less Sunday morning worship music and more Monday morning prayer music, which I thought, right? I mean, that's what... I feel like we're living in a perpetual Monday morning. Like right. there's no more going to church on Sunday. There's no there there there, there isn't that. Um, but what I need is that Monday morning prayer music. And um, he says, oh, I love this. He says devotional music is a collaboration with quiet. Oh wow! It's music for attending to the soul, for listening to God. Um, and then his new album, Keeper of Days, he calls a, an album of devotional music. Um, also, it doesn't hurt that he goes on to talk about some of his um, inspiration, and he loves poetry, and he loves so many of the poets I love, like George Herbert and Robert Lax and uh, Christian Wyman and music. He loves Keith Green and Radiohead, so clearly my guy. <laughs> well, I wrote his name down, and I wrote down the name of the Good. album, and we'll link it in the show notes, too, because that sounds like something we all need to get our hands on. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think what it—, it it was not only meeting me exactly where I was this week, and I think we'll continue to do so. It's that I didn't expect it. I had been, um, I think, sort of tired in my devotional practices and in my prayer time, and in, even in my walks. I, I love listening to to music while I walk, and I had just been listening to the same old things. And then last week, it felt like out of the blue, a new discovery, um, a new to me musician who's been creating art and had this album, and I hadn't I hadn't really gone looking for it. I hadn't been anticipating it, kind of like the Taylor Swift album, and yet there it was when I needed it. And so that gives me hope (laughs) that even going into a new season, there will be surprises, there will be good gifts, and that many of them will um, come in the form of art. And gosh, there's just nothing like art to nourish us with beauty and to speak to like those deep, deep needs and questions. Um, and yeah, in this album, he's just so good at like attending to the deep, hard questions. God, where are you? Why can't I hear you? Are you close? I'm really angry. Where are you? know, it's very um, like the Psalms or David. And so, yeah, I, I know that there will be other art to look forward to. And, you know, on a side note, Lisa Joe, another thing right now that has been so great is that we've been, um, we opened up a new space in the Black Barn Online. So the community um, gathering place that you and I also often talk about that's um, inspired by the Black Barn here at Maplehurst is our Black Barn Online. And we opened up a new little space in there um, that we call the Art Gallery. And a new friend of ours who's in the community, Sophia Rector, has been sharing art there this week. And for those listening you know, when this podcast goes out, it, it's still up. You know, you all, all fall. You can go in and, and check it out. Um, and the art, oh my gosh, it's not only just visually beautiful, but it, it feels so perfect for these times. And that too is is just an unexpected gift. You know, things like this are often in the planning stage or or um, in the works for a long while. And you don't know that that when they're released out into the world, what, you know, what will be going on. And yet this art that Sophia has created around the idea of a seed being buried and sort of slowly coming back to life um, is really, really powerful right now. So, man, the artists. Goodness, yeah. thank God for the artists. I was so moved by how she was sharing in the art gallery this idea that a seed itself, what looks like death is actually life. So it looks like that seed is dying and it's being broken apart, but it's how life comes out. And I started crying when I read that and I thought, 
man, maybe that is what's happening to us. Like, we don't know that, and it feels like death, but we don't know what God is doing, and He is the God who promises life, life to the full. So, if I believe that, if I believe that's a true promise, I have to look at my life and assume that, okay, maybe I'm not dying. Like, maybe this is God giving me, pushing me, forcing me, growing me in a new kind of life. That's been really meaningful to me. And on that note, Something that surprised me that I stumbled onto, and I didn't think about it until we were in the middle of this conversation, and I don't say this, I don't want to say this in any way to stress out other parents, but maybe just to encourage them. But I think as we parent older kids, at least in me, there's this sense of like, how am I supposed to make my kid like love Jesus a lot and want to read his Bible? And like, I don't know how to manufacture that. And we're not a big like read the Bible around the dinner table family. I always wish we were, but we're just not. And I finally accepted that about us. But what we do do is we watch, you know, we do watch videos together as a family. So like, for example, and it's not what you'd think, like we watch Lord of the Rings and then have deep theological conversations about it. Or we watch the Bible Project or other sort of culturally relevant teachers and then unpack them from a faith perspective, but but I don't, that sounds deeper than it is. It's always like from a storytelling perspective. We're a family who loves stories. It's why we love movies and films so much. And so, what's been so interesting, Christy, I don't know if I've told you this, that I discovered um, while we were traveling, when we were in Michigan about a month ago now, my teenage son, like at the, you know, in the car trip there was just like on his phone the whole time, which was fine. All of our kids were God bless devices for that long, long drive. <laughs> but then, and then at the end of like long days in the sun or on the river or the lake, he was on his phone again. And I was asking him, you know, checking in, like, what are you watching? Shocked out of my mind to discover that while I thought he was watching, like, you know how they'll, I don't know if your kids do this, they'll watch like video gamers playing yeah. like, Minecraft or something. <laughs> yes. It seems like the most boring thing in the world. Right. Like, why would you want to see that ever? Instead, Christy, what he has been binge watching is Christian apologetics. Like, it's bizarre, okay? And by that, I mean, like, all of these, like, college-aged street preachers who will stand on a street corner, and they don't, like, yell at people, but they just invite people into conversations. And then, essentially, they have these really intense, fast-paced conversations about faith, And he has like been binging these guys. And so when I asked him, I discovered this entire repertoire of Christian kids is what I think of. They're like in their 20s who go out and talk to people about God. (laughs) This this is what he's watching. And And then I discovered he was also binging words I never thought you would put with someone like this. He's been binging Francis Chan videos and Ravi Zacharias. And he has just gotten obsessed with this fascination about what it means to talk about what we believe in a cultural context. So, not just like on a Sunday, but like, how is that? How do you put into words what you think? How do you reason? How do you respond to very real cultural questions about Christianity? And it's been so surprising and so interesting to sit next to him. He's going to be 15 in a week and listen to like what he's getting from this and then and then listen to his questions and so as we're home you know late at night he'll be up and then you just never know when a teenager decides they're ready to talk to you about something and he was in the other night he and I were up to like 12:30 as he was showing me like video after video and then asking me questions and I'm telling you you've never lived until at midnight you've tried to dissect 
you know, the premises of a Ravi Zacharias argument and your brain is so <laughs> tired. And you don't know if you're smart enough to understand what he's trying to communicate. But it has been such an unexpected surprise to discover Jackson's real passion and interest in learning in this way that if I had tried to make it happen, I couldn't. Right. And I think there are all kinds of things like that that our kids, if we pay attention, are discovering about themselves that they're, that they're interested in. And of course, I'm delighted that it has this faith overtone, but I think there are lots of things like that. So here's another example. Micah and Peter have had time to explore all kinds of activities they're doing in the yard. And I am a huge skeptic because Peter's the king of like looking at something and going, I could build that. I could do that. Like he has no background in building or doing <laughs> anything. He has never done any of those things that he aspires to do. He'll watch all these YouTube tutorials and then I'm terrified for what's going to happen. And they got it in their heads the other day that we have these fish ponds in the backyard that have this small little water feature that they wanted to move. They wanted to dig up the pump and the water part and everything and relocate it to a different part of the pond. And I just thought, oh, no, like this, basically what they're going to do is create chaos is what I thought. And that's what happened. They dug a huge hole to try to get down to the <laughs> pipes. And then like it just sat there like this hole. They did nothing more for like two weeks. And I just thought, oh, of course. But yesterday I was out of the house for a while and when I got home, and Peter texted me, you're going to be so surprised when you get home. And I got home and like Mike was in the shower and I'm like, dad said, there's something to see outside. Can I go check it out? He's like, no, no, wait, wait, you can't go without me. And they Aww. walked me out into the yard. And so he's like, you're not going to believe it, mom. You're not going to believe it. And they had done it. They had dug up this thing, this huge tank that has holds the water system and relocated it and built it up and surrounded it by all these rocks we had got from Michigan. And it's so beautiful. And it's like this high waterfall that falls into the ponds now. And I have never been so shocked in my life. I was like, you, you guys did it. And Micah's like, I know. Can you believe it? And I said to him, I could believe you would do it, Micah. What I can't believe is that dad... <laughs> Dad actually did it. I thought you were going to have to like push dad. And Mike was like, no, dad pushed me. We worked on Aww. it all day. <laughs> and that was wow. such a surprise to see that they followed through and they got to like realize their vision. You know, they had wanted so badly to work outside and recreate this water feature. And like with Jackson's videos, like those were unlooked for. I didn't know to anticipate those things, which made them so sweet and undeserved and curious and interesting and teaches us things about our family that we have maybe overlooked for a while. And mm -hmm. it was good for me. It was good for my heart and my soul mm -hmm. to catch sort of the world uh, through their eyes in a new way. Gosh, yeah, that's really good to think about because I've been grieving the loss of the same. I've been grieving the loss of our same old stuff, right? Yeah. This is what we do at the end of summer. We go on family vacation. And then in September, the kids will go back to school and the house is quiet and my kids have new teachers and they're challenged at school. And that's what I know. And that's mm -hmm. what we've always lived. And mm -hmm. now we won't have that. Mm -hmm. And so somehow that story in my head has become, it's all bad. Right. <laughs> Everything right. is awful. <laughs> I know. Instead of saying, okay, we are now living a whole new reality in so many ways and I don't know what happens next. Like right. a very good story. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what will be revealed. I don't know how we will be changed. I don't know how my kids will be changed. I don't know how they'll be formed by this. And I've been thinking in dire terms, like it it will 
it's just bad for them. But why? What what evidence do I have for that? And so that is a really great, great like data point. I'm going to remember Peter and Micah in your yard and, and remember that people are going to surprise us and our yeah. own kids are going to surprise us and our families and friends and neighbors are going to surprise us. In good ways. In good ways. Not just in bad. Yes, yes, in good ways. (laughs) And who knows, like maybe we will all lean into things, um, new things that we could not have access. We couldn't, we just didn't have the time for or just our, our attention just wasn't there. You know, who knows what we will try or what we will achieve or what we will learn or what we will experience that wouldn't have been possible otherwise. And that is not me saying, see, it's all okay. Right, no. right. Right? Still a wilderness. <laughs> right. No, but I <laughs> but love that. But there are streams in the wilderness. Yes, streams in the wilderness. I love that you're saying that maybe we will try things we haven't done before. And I guess I'll mention this for fun. Um <laughs> I know that you're in the middle of a project, and I don't know if you've talked publicly about it, but it's involving some new things that you haven't done before, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. if you want to talk about it, you can. But I will mention that I, one of the things that I've struggled with, especially in this season, is if I'm trying to maintain an Instagram, you know, story, essentially, right? Like sharing on a regular basis there. I have found it's difficult because I'm not going anywhere. There's like no images to capture in order to tell a new story every day. When we traveled to Michigan, there was a lot of beauty to capture and a lot of emotion that was happening all the time. So one of the things, I haven't told you this, Christy, this is a surprise, and I'm I'm putting it out here to see if I'll hold myself accountable, but I've had this idea for a long time. I've always thought it would be fun to dabble with writing fiction. Ah, And I feel like having watched some of my favorite artists come out with new things, I'm like, well, it'd be fun to just try that. But the problem is, for those of you who might not know, if you want to write fiction, you actually have to write a whole book and turn it in. Publishers don't accept just like a sample chapter or two. And I have felt like that's really daunting. And when people ask me, how do you write a book? I've always told them in the past, you write it the way you write like a blog post or the way you write a social media, a really great social media story. You know, you write it one blog post or one Instagram post at a time. Like essentially, that's how you write a book. You break it down into stories and you write those individual stories and then they add up. And the next thing you know, you have 50,000 words or whatever. So I've wanted to write a fiction book for a while. I don't know when I would ever do it. I have so much else going on. And I started to think to myself, okay, but what if, Christy, remember the good old days of serialized stories that would come out like in magazines or radio shows and you'd get like little pieces at a time? Yeah. And I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking about how years ago I hosted a community of writers called Five Minute Friday, where we would all write unscripted and unedited for five minutes. And the goal was to force yourself to create without overthinking. And I thought, how could I create something like that, but for fiction? Like, what would that look like? And so, but I've started writing and preparing to post if I come up with the courage is really a serialized Instagram story, a story that takes place on Instagram. So each caption of an Instagram post would be a part of the story. And so you would start reading it. And then I've wanted to base the story in South African culture, like on a game farm that really incorporates a lot of what some of my family has experienced growing up in those beautiful places. But what it allows me to do and what I've had such fun doing is 
take photographs from really gifted wildlife photography in South Africa and use those essentially as like the illustration to go with the story as you tell it. And then it allows you to tag those accounts and help feature them. But it's beautiful pictures that somehow allow me to not just they allow me to escape my house, you know, like it allows me to have a bigger view of the world again. So I've, I've written several parts of it already. And I'm just trying to get up the courage to actually start it on Instagram. But I thought it'd be really fun. And I want to use the hashtag social short stories and see and then other people could do the same if they wanted to join in. But it's been my own attempt to say, how do I create, how do I take this limitation, this inability to leave my house and feeling like I don't have content that feels emotionally engaged in some way and turn that into a new opportunity I might not have tried before. So that's one of the things I'm thinking about doing with this fall in order to offer something new. I love it. And now we can all hold you to it. We can ask you. So where are our stories, Lisa Joe? <laughs> but I love that, that you're going to use the photography to, yeah. to as like a as like a kickoff, a point of inspiration. Yeah. That is brilliant. And you're right. I have I've been working on a new project too. And I can't tell you how many times I've turned to my husband and I keep mentioning him because he's the only one I see these days. So <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one I talk to. Um I, I how many times have I turned to my husband and said I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this project right now. I mean, this is saving my life. And it's, um, yeah, working on a new book. But this book um, that I'm working on now has uh, photography. So I'm I'm taking pictures um, here at Maplehurst in my garden to be included in this book. And it's um, something that I didn't pursue necessarily because I've never... I, I've never studied photography. I'm, I would have said until recently, I am not a photographer. I don't know what I'm doing. It's been um, such a learning curve. And yet learning this new skill and having this totally new creative out- outlet has been so life-giving. And it's something I can practice here at home, which again, just did not anticipate how much I would need that. And yet, because I'm home every day, (laughs) when golden hour comes in the evening, usually, you know, right around um, just before or after dinner, I'm out there with my camera. It just takes me a second. I grab the camera, I grab my my tripod, and I step outside. And so, I'm I'm taking pictures every single day uh, because I have nothing else to do, but also (laughs) because it's what I need to be doing right now. And it's this new creative muscle to exercise every day. And I don't know if I would have had the discipline. I mean, I love that you're just, you're you're thinking about a new creative outlet and you're pursuing it, even though it's not required of you right now. I think that takes some discipline. Um, and I hope, you know, some of our listeners, I imagine they're doing similar things. I don't know if I would have been disciplined to do that. This was just the project I had and um, I'd signed the contract and I have a deadline and I needed to do it. Um, but it feels like, the greatest gift and such a grace that this thing I would have said, I can't do, I don't know how to do, I'm afraid to do, has now become just one of the most life-giving things. To such an extent, Lisa Joe, that this week I emailed I emailed um, a friend of mine who is a photographer. <laughs> and uh, so something I do when I'm working on a book or writing is I always ask a trusted, skilled friend to look at it, even before I share it with my editor or anyone at my publisher, I just really, really value feedback. And um, not too much, but, you know, just enough. And so I'll turn to someone I trust. And so I did that with the photography. I turned to a friend who's a photographer. Uh, Her name is Lancia. And um, 
asked her, you know, would you be willing to look at my pictures? I'm learning on the job. <laughs> I know they're not, I know, I know, of course, they're not as good as they could be. And I, I bet you could point out some things I could do better. And I was, I thought about in the past, if I was writing an email like that, I would have gone on to say things like, I know they're probably not that good. I know, you know, I could do so much better. I know, you know, a real photographer could do a better job. You know, I would have like thrown in all kinds of, um, you know, self-deprecating comments like that. But I wasn't even tempted to. I just told her, I'm sure I could learn. It, you know, I'd love it if you could point some things out. Um, but I'm having so much fun. I don't even <laughs> care that it's not like going to win an award, you know, for best photography. Um, it's just so much fun. It just feels like pure gift. And so I, I thought, wow, that's a real change for me to um, to not even care that I may not be the most accomplished photographer. I may still have so much to learn. There may be all kinds of things in these photos that others will look at and say, well, you know, that could be better. And that doesn't bother me one bit because it, because every picture to me just feels like newness and life and creativity and just grace and blessing. And uh, But I realized it. I only realized it when I was writing out that email. <laughs> I love that so much. You know, I was thinking about that verse we started with. It's Proverbs 13, 12 that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But the second half of that verse says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I think that this opportunity to sit through and talk about the unexpected goodness that still lives buried in God's creation, and I love that the metaphor of the tree, of course, is always poignant here, but is a tree of life. And it's just a reminder that God is a God who does fulfill His promises. The longings that are in our heart, they might not be fulfilled in the way we expect or hope, but there is a promise that they will indeed, that God will meet those needs um, in ways that we won't always recognize at first sight. And I think that's what today's exercise has really helped me do again, is look at my life with fresh eyes instead of looking at it as hope deferred. Where, where's the longing fulfilled that God is actually constantly still providing for us always? He's the God of abundance and full life. And so I feel really differently here at the end of the yeah, conversation than I did in the beginning. Too. I really hope our listeners are having that same moment of, okay, maybe it's not just all bleak hopelessness from here on out. <laughs> That's right. Maybe we have so much to look forward to that we don't even know. Um, we have the known ordinary things to anticipate and also surprises and always in the midst of it, this tree of life that God is tending in us and around us and we can count on him. He's the best gardener. <laughs> He's a good gardener. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link. 